What's up, world? I'm Tim Muma, and you've ordered up scrambled eggs today. Scrambled eggs is a hodgepodge, more lighthearted approach to the employment realm, focusing a little less on issues with employers or employees, and instead looking outside the box to help you in the workplace. The topic on the menu today, creativity and its critical role. Now, it should be easy to be creative, right? I mean, we all grew up imagining these grandiose things as a kid, but it doesn't always transfer quite that easily to adulthood for most people. To help all of us get our creative juices flowing, the owner of Climber Consulting, Amy Climber, is with us on localjobnetwork.com radio. Thanks for coming in today, Amy. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great to have you. Uh, just an intriguing kind of topic that I had seen and obviously ran across uh, your site, your your business there. To give everyone else an idea of what maybe I kind of know, describe what you do, your services, and your experience kind of in this area. Sure. So I own Climber Consulting, and what I do through that is provide creativity training, leadership development, and team building for organizations, you know, businesses, nonprofits. And then I also work with colleges and universities, helping them design outdoor education programs. So kind of do a variety of things. Cool. Great. Well, like I said, I mean, this topic can mean a lot of different things to people. Uh, You know, in terms of creativity, people have different ideas, different, you know, visions of what that means. But specifically for you and with what you do and your experiences, how do you define that idea of creativity? I actually think this is one of the most challenging parts of creativity is trying to kind of come to a common definition. And there's in the research literature, there's probably thousands of definitions. Um, But one that I like to use is this idea that creativity is the generation of a product and thinking of the word product in a very broad sense. um, That's not only novel and imaginative, but also useful and of good quality. And so it's one thing to just come up with ideas and that's a piece of creativity, but that's not everything. It's also the implementation and actually making something out of it, whether it's a product, uh, a tangible product, or like a theory, a concept, something that's going to move the work forward. Sure. Well, and you, you know, you bring up the term product and product productivity as far as in the workplace, because obviously that's the realm we deal with. And, and what areas does creativity influence in the workplace? I mean, you, and you talked in terms of productivity and that could, as you said, tangible, intangible. But um, what kind of other areas would that touch on in the workplace? I think sometimes creativity can have this, I think there's sort of this myth about it that it can kind of, <laughs> kind of be like this fluffy like not that important. Oh, we should just, you know, be focused on getting the job done. Right. But in the end, it actually can impact the bottom line. And, you know, if you look at a company like Google or Apple, it's like they're known for their creativity and they're amazingly, you know, financially successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more creative we can be, the more it can impact the bottom line. Sure. And what have you come across, and it not just happened in the workplace, but with that specifically in terms of the energy that's kind of around motivation for people, because that seems to be a, a concern for a lot of employers. How does creativity kind of fall in with, with those areas? You know, I think it's almost cyclical and that when people are highly motivated, they also tend to be more creative. And then when they have the opportunity to be creative, that increases motivation. And so it kind of goes around. Same thing with energy. Ideally, in the workplace, there's an element of intrinsic motivation. And so actually, if there's a high focus on rewards or competition or extrinsic motivation, it can actually decrease creativity, which isn't 
certainly not what people expect or want, but kind of an unknown byproduct of some of that competition or reward focused. Right. It's interesting that you bring up the idea of competition because not just, you know, company to company, but within an organization, there may be competition, good and bad. Uh, and you also have the idea of people working together to come up with these ideas, products. So in terms of those relationships that are formed in the workplace, how, do, how much does creativity play a role in that in your mind? I think the relationships in the workplace can have a big impact on creativity. And in situations where there is a lot of competition between coworkers, like say for instance, um, a company that has sales, sales staff and there's competitions of who can sell the most products, creativity will actually decrease for those individuals because they don't, they're not given the opportunity to collaborate. Because if they collaborate with each other, there's this fear that, oh, if I collaborate with my colleague, then they're gonna take my ideas and I'm not gonna be able to use them, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and so actually the competition decreases the opportunity to be creative because, you know, again, that fear piece. Now, in, kind of in trying to jump into this idea of creativity and more along the lines of starting to lean towards the things you do, some of the information I saw from you, it talked about a five-step process in terms of the creative process. Uh, would you be able to kind of walk us through that to give us an idea of what, what that entails? Mm-hmm. Sure. So the creative process, the, these five steps were developed decades ago, and um, I'll explain I'll just list them first and then go into detail. Sure. So the first step is preparation, and then incubation, insight, evaluation, and elaboration. And so preparation is that time when you're really trying to kind of really understand what's going on, what am I, what's the problem I'm trying to solve. Uh, you're doing some research to look at what are some, what have other people done in this area? What can I do that's a little bit different? And that could take a lot of time. Sure. I mean, it could be months of research trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's that incubation stage where we kind of let the idea sort of churn around in our head, uh, ideally in our unconscious or subconscious. Um, and then we have that moment of insight, which is that aha, like <laughs> you're in the shower and all of a sudden you're like, oh, why didn't I think of this before? Now you've written that up. I mean, and I'll stop you just briefly, but the idea, you know, you're in the shower and this happens. What? What is it about? It seems like those are the, the strangest moments that it finally clicks. I mean, is there something to that? There must be. There is, actually. And that's part of that, that incubation. It's almost like if you th- overthink it, sure. it's going to make it harder to come up with the idea. But if you if you think about it some and then sort of let it go and set it aside, it, it it's like you're giving your brain a chance to do its job okay. and, it, and then come up with that idea, you know, in the shower, in the car, or whatever, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then there's that evaluation where – okay, is this idea actually any good, you know? Because certainly we've all had plenty of bad ideas. (laughs) And then, and those first four steps can actually happen pretty quickly, but then it's the elaboration, the fifth step, which really, I think, sets apart highly creative people from the rest of the world. Okay. Uh, You know, the Einsteins of the world were excellent at elaboration. He was great at actually not only just coming up with these ideas and concepts, but doing something about it and figuring out how it actually, like, okay, is this going to work? And so that elaboration piece is really critical and in some ways the hardest part of the whole process. Well, and that's what I was going to ask because I, a lot of times people, I think, tend to, I, mean, I don't know if they're limiting themselves in the ideas they initially come up with. Um, but what you're saying is that they probably have plenty of ideas. They just don't know how to get it all the way to that final step. Sometimes. Um, I, I think different people get stuck in different areas sure. of, the, of the five steps. But I also think creativity is kind of this systemic 
uh, what's the word? Kind of, it's it's more of a systems approach. It's not so much just me as an individual. I'm going to be creative in my, you know, housed up in my little hole in my office. It it's about that interaction with colleagues. And mm-hmm. so, if you're in an environment where creativity and ideas aren't encouraged, you'll start cre- coming up with less ideas on your own. Okay. Kind of piggyback in that a little bit in terms of the workplace. No matter what it could be, as you said, I mean, creativity can have its role in any place, really. What are some of the things that may block that individual from, you know, finding that creative spot or, or getting through the, pro, the, you know, those five steps? Um, just what kind of things prohibit people really from, from being all they can be, to, to sound cliche? Yeah, good question. I think there's a number of things. Thinking for just personally, like at a personal level, um, one of those things is the inner critic. And that little voice inside of our head that's constantly saying, no, you can't do this, or, oh, that's such a stupid idea. <laughs> oh, you know, your colleague's better at you, better than you at this. Right. That voice that tells us no. And so part of creativity training can be figuring out how do I ignore that voice or how do I kind of use it in a more positive way. I think another piece that can block creativity is perfectionism and you know, we're human beings and nothing we do is perfect. And if we are working on something and it has to be perfect, we'll never we'll never finish because it'll never be perfect. And so we'll never have the results out there. Sure. Um, or we won't even start because we know it can't be perfect and we kind of limit ourselves because of that. Um, and so instead of focusing on being perfect, focus on doing something of high quality and knowing that, okay, I'm going to put this out there and there's going to be mistakes. And that's just part of the learning process. Um, and so letting go of that, that a little bit. The other piece is who we spend time with. And I think of creativity as kind of this little flame or this little spark inside of us. And then we have people in our lives who are really good at stoking that flame. Mm. But we also have people who are really good at squishing that. And I think of that as like wet blankets. And they come along and like whoosh. Right. And they just put out that fire. And Sometimes we have wet blankets in our life that we don't have a choice about being around. You know, maybe there's family members or people we work closely with. Uh, but other times we do have a choice, maybe close friends or maybe even not that close friends that we see. And I definitely have some friends where there's certain ideas that I just don't tell them because I know they're going to squish sure. them. And so it's like, all right, I have kind of a different relationship with them than I do with other friends. Right. And so kind of trying to figure out, like, who do I share what with and how do I interact with people so they don't squish my ideas? And since you brought it up now, I'm just going to ask, like, for the, the ideas that, you know, a lot of people feel they're perfectionists, so they, they almost don't start or they just are never happy and it kind of limits them or, um, like you said, the inner critic. I mean, is there some simple advice to kind of pushing that off to the side or, or trying to, like you said, use it somehow in a positive way? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I do that I actually got this idea from a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Okay probably started this about 15 years ago, but doing some morning journaling. And there's something about just writing freehand, you know, 20, 30 minutes. It's something about doing it in the morning that is really helpful. And you get all these ideas, all this like, you know, stuff out of your head, <laughs> you know, that you wake up and you're mulling through. And and it's kind of a way to let it go and to open up your head a little bit for the day. And it's also a great time to sort of process through like, okay, I, I'm thinking about this, but here are all the things that the reasons I don't want to do it. And, and and it's like a safe way to just get it out there and just get rid of it. So that's one, one thing that can be really helpful. The other thing is just recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, 
why am I having this negative thought? Oh, wait a minute, that's my inner critic. Oh, okay, I'm gonna set that aside. And kind of like pausing in the moment. Sure. And it's definitely easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would imagine so. Yeah. Most things are. Right, yeah, I'm not trying to oversimplify <laughs> it. <laughs> so with that, even, you know, those kind of things obviously get into people's heads. And, um, you know, they may think, oh, I've never been able to be creative. I just don't have that gene in me, that kind of thing. Um, as far as teaching someone or the, the process of starting to teach them to be more creative or to guide them or to bring it out of them, I guess what what are some of those steps or those tips that maybe you go through um, when you're when you're in your business or even just on a personal level? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I would say that I think as humans, we all have this amazing capacity to be creative. And I've done some presentations or workshops with artists. And I've asked them, uh, this room full of artists, you know, 30 to 50 people, raise your hand if you think you're creative. And anywhere from 30 to 60% of the room will raise their hand, Mm -hmm. which means half the room (laughs) of artists say they're not creative. (laughs) By definition, they're supposed to be. (laughs) Exactly, you know. And so I I think if you ask the same question to a group of kindergartners, you know, they're all raise your hand like, yeah, duh, what's a dumb question, you know. And so we have this shift. Usually it's around fourth grade where we start thinking of ourselves in a different way and we start thinking we're not creative. So that's just a little bit of background of kind of what's – I think societally we have this this thought that, oh, you know, there's only certain people who are creative. And I think the rest of us just, you know, we have that kind of squished out of us. And so mm-hmm. it's about reclaiming that. And so in training, part of it is just understanding the creative process and how it works and realizing, you know, when you hear the five steps of creativity, most people think, oh, yeah, I've done that. I do that all the time. And so just trying to recognize it and sort of capture that. Uh, and use that well. And there's also, you know, idea generation techniques, brainstorming, um, although there's a lot more effective ways even than just the traditional brainstorming. Sure. Um, there's also creative thinking techniques. Divergent thinking is a type of creativity where, let's say, we place an object in the center of the table, like a brick. And we put the brick out and we say, okay, I want you all to think of as many different ways to use this brick as you can. And you know, it starts off like, oh, we could build a chimney, we could build a house, we could use it as a doorstop, like pretty, pretty mundane, simple things. But then people start saying, well, what if the brick was made out of foam and it was like <laughs> two feet by five feet? Then what could we do with it? <laughs> and then that's where you really start getting some different ideas. Sure. So th- those are a few pieces and then, you know, just coming up with some activities and let's, let's get involved in creating some things together. And I think creativity, like many things, is sort of this can be this upward spiral. Mm-hmm. And that the more we do it and the more we practice it, the better we get at it. So then in terms of, uh, I mean, you know, there's this physical side to it, so to speak, and obviously the mental side of creativity. Do you notice one having more importance of another? I mean, obviously every, every person's different, but it just from what you've seen or recognized or researched, is there a certain uh, amount of importance that would lean towards one or the other in terms of getting past that creative block, so to speak. When you say physical side, say more. What do you mean by that? Well, I, you know, like you talked about you, you look at something and um, being able to figure out a way that physically you could use it mm. as opposed to just mental. Okay, you have people talking about, well, what if it was this? What if it was that? That to me is more mental. But you have a physical brick there. What literally could you do with that? Is there a certain, I mean, is mental going to always be you know, more important than physical in that regard? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think... I think that goes to this idea that 
people tend to be creative in certain domains or certain areas. So for instance, um, you know, one person might be highly creative in physics. Mm-hmm. They're not going to really have as many ideas in psychology. Sure. Then, you know, and vice versa. The psychologist might not have as many ideas of how to move the, the world of physics forward. However, sometimes you could have some really cool collaborations between the two. So I think as far as like physical versus mental, I mean, to some degree, it, I think of it as all mental. Even like looking at that that brick, it's right. still your brain coming up with those, those ideas. So I, I guess I kind of see those as pretty interrelated. I don't know that sure. one's more than the other. Okay, good. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned about the idea of brainstorming there and other, you know, tricks and tips and maybe things that are better in that regard. I mean, would you be able to touch on uh, one or two of those just for, for people that are curious? Sure. Um, what's interesting about brainstorming, kind of what we know is the traditional brainstorm right. where everybody sits around a table and someone says, okay, here's what we're trying to figure out. Let's throw ideas out and don't criticize them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's been some interesting research that it says that process actually is less effective than if somebody were just to quietly be coming up with ideas on their own, hmm. which I think is fascinating because organizations use the brainstorming technique all the time. Right. And so some other ways to do that are, say, in a group, same concept, you throw the idea out, and instead of having people just brainstorm ideas verbally, have them write ideas down first, and then start sharing them verbally. And that process of just writing them down first and giving that quiet time, that that few minutes, will generate more ideas than if you just dove right into the the verbal process. Uh, And there's lots of other things you could do. You could have people only do it on paper, where Everybody is given a piece of paper and maybe like it's divided up into blocks and each block they have to fill a different idea in. And after they filled four blocks, they pass it to the next person and then they and they get a new paper and they read that person's ideas. And then from those ideas, they build on adding more of their own. And so this idea of like building on each other's ideas can be really powerful. Great. Oh, that's, that's good advice. And I mean, I like how you incorporate the idea of the, the traditional brainstorm because it's it's simple. It's traditional. It's always been that way. And, um, you know, giving people different different ways to work it. I think that's that's awesome. Now, in terms of when you're trying to get through the process, so to speak, the question that came up among some of my colleagues, well, how much time do you spend on your creative thought? You know, like, especially if you get into a case where you feel like you have a, a writer's block or a creative block, is there a certain amount of time you give yourself and then maybe you need to step away, go away? Um, you know, people are different. I understand that. But in generality, what's kind of the the idea there as far as time commitment to just that creative thought? Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily something where it's like, okay, for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be creative Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that you set aside and have this part of your day. But ideally, it would be more infused throughout the day. However, I think there's some things you could do when you're stuck. And you do, you're like, ah, I need to be creative. I need to come up with some things and I'm stuck. And one of the things that I've used a lot, and I think I'm somewhat privileged in that I work from my home, Mm -hmm. and so I have a little more flexibility in my day, is that sometimes around 2 o'clock, I just feel like my brain's kind of fried and I go lay down on the couch for 20 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> especially if I'm really stuck. Sure. And I sort of lay down, I close my eyes and in the back of my head, I'm sort of thinking about whatever problem I have that I'm working on. And 20 minutes later, I get up and I go back to it and it's kind of amazing. Like mm. I feel like I have more energy. Sometimes I've been able to even like solve the problem while laying on the couch or 
taking a short little nap. And what? And I don't know that employers are ready for to see their employees take 20 minute naps right, in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> and that was the kind of the question that came up because that that was the biggest thing is that there's that talk about that sleep, that just little shutting down, literally shutting down everything. I mean, you can go for a run and you're still going to be actively thinking. Um, and do you think that could be a strategy that works as well as some sort of exercise or anything that's going to basically distract you from that idea? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it goes back to that incubation, that second step of the creative process where mm-hmm. we need that time to just let our brain do its job without trying to control it so much. Sure. Well, thus far, our expert guest, Amy Clymer, owner of Clymer Consulting, has spoiled us with a wealth of information regarding the topic of creativity and its critical role in the workplace. We'll have to take a break here, but we will keep her around a little longer. So if you want to hear more with Amy, please check out part two of Creativity is Critical on Scrambled Eggs. Just go to localjobnetwork.com and click on the radio tab near the top of your screen. Also, as always, please send us your comments and suggestions to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. This has been a serving of scrambled eggs. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.